Hello and welcome to Citizen Reporter 423 for the 4th of June 2012. Hi everyone, Mark with you, and if you've been listening to this program over the last few years, you may remember a discussion of drug policy around the world, especially here in the Netherlands, since it's a place that fascinates a lot of people, and in the past has done some pretty innovative stuff. Well, today we're getting back into that issue, and actually, there's going to be a few podcasts with people involved on the policy side, on the coffee shop, so the the selling side, and I'm going to get a lot of different voices involved because I want to really cover this properly. I find that in the international media, you really get half-assed information, so let me try and contribute something useful. All right, so hello, everyone. I'm well. Uh, So listeners of this program that have been with me for years uh, may recall the voice you're about to hear today, and I'm very glad to be back with him. I'm talking about uh, Freik Pollock, who's sitting to my left. Good afternoon, Freik. Hello. Good to see you again. I'm also known as Frederick. Oh, yeah. Because Freik is a Dutch name that many English-speaking people uh, transform into freak <laughs> and that is not such a good idea for a per, for a psychiatrist but especially when working in the field of drugs it's not, not the best combo, not the yeah, best yeah. best first name no yeah but you are you are the, one of the best people in my opinion to to speak with when you really want to know what's going on uh, you're busy with the task of figuring that out yourself with what's yes. going on, especially in the world of drug policy in, in the Netherlands. And so the, the confusing thing, I think, for people in the Netherlands and outside the Netherlands uh, is to understand what's going on in the world of drug policy. And one of the inspiration or the sources of, of sort of frustration for me the last few months is as I travel within Europe, everybody comes to me with what they think they know that's yeah. happening in, in, in Amsterdam and in the Netherlands. And they say, so, can't go to foreigners can't go to coffee shops, I hear. It's all over. And I always think, well, I live next door to a coffee shop. I know the people there. And I'm, I'm pretty sure nothing like that is going on at the moment in, this, in the city. But then I, I think about how this story has traveled around the world. Much like years ago, the story of drugs policy being more open in this country traveled around the world. Yeah. Let's, let's start with the, the developments of the last... I'm looking at the last two years especially, namely, there is a policy out there. It's this thing about needing to be a member to walk into a a coffee shop and and purchase something. And in order to be a member, you have to be a Dutch resident. Uh, This is a policy that exists, right? Foreigners that reside in Holland uh, can also be a member of of the clubs. Yeah. in the plan that the government still is trying to impose on us yeah. but it's where it's it's it works nowhere uh, as yet because uh, it has been officially introduced in the southern part of the country uh, 
below the rivers, you could say. Yeah, that's always the, what, what the rivers are divide Holland in two. Yeah. And that's mainly the Rhine, but also the, yeah, I don't know how you pronounce it in English, the, the, the La Meuse in yeah. French. I would say uh, the Mass. The Mass, yes, yeah. but I don't know how, how in British, how the English language pronounces this uh, name. Hmm. Meuse is not a, an English word. Yeah. Uh, well, the big rivers, as yeah. they are, uh, we call them. Hmm. In the south, this has been introduced, but few people uh, want to be registered as members of a coffee, of a cannabis club. Yeah. And what I heard is that uh, less than 30% of the uh, Dutch clients are letting themselves be uh, registered. Hmm. So the foreigners are not allowed the ones that don't reside in Holland, mm -hmm. but of the people who live, who are Dutch or the foreigners who reside in Holland, only about 30% lets itself be registered. So the coffee shops are going down in, uh, they have no, uh, right. no business anymore. And yet the policy goes on. It seems to be marching forward in that I've read, and, and this is why I need your help, I've read that Maastricht, among the larger, to this point, municipalities that is interested, a city I think a lot of people recognize, at least by name, is going to adopt this policy. Well, uh, in Maastricht, it's, uh, it's also a big issue in, in uh, what do you call it, in, in municipal policy. The, the municipal council doesn't want this these plans but the mayor is supporting it very strongly that is the new mayor that is there since uh, the former mayor was okay in this respect leers but the present mayor is uh, it seems he is a good friend personal friend of the prime minister that that and he's of the same party yeah. and he's doing this out of loyalty to the to the prime minister but in, it doesn't work in uh, in Maastricht as well. The, the most coffee shops uh, uh, had to, how do you say, lay off uh, about half of their of the people working there, and uh, some of them are completely closed. Um, one big coffee shop has, um, how do you say, uh, has resisted the new rulings oh, okay. and uh, was uh, they had. Uh, Police came in, and they so. But they're starting a, a court case now. Yeah. What I don't know the name in English for that. We say a proof process. Yeah, it's a, a test process. Yeah, trial. Test yeah. process, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that that the problem is then that that takes months, if not years. But they say that it is against the Dutch uh, constitution. What what the government is ordering them to do, to apply discriminatory measures against uh, foreigners okay. without good grounds yeah. and there, the government says there has been there has already been a trial uh, or is it a test court yeah. ca a test case about this but that's that was mostly uh, theoretically at the moment of the introduction of the new uh, plans for the of the government and there the this was the, the how do you say the, the outcome of the trial. The verdict was that indeed it is a sort of discrimination mm -hmm. to refuse foreigners there at the coffee shops to 
a service that Dutch people uh, have a right uh, to receive and that that is a form of discrimination mm -hmm. but that was the highest administrative court in Holland called the Raad van State so that's not the Supreme Court of Justice but it's, a, it's for administrative law okay. and they said that under in, in specific circumstances this sort of discrimination is allowed and uh, that is what the legal fight is now about yeah. because the coffee shops say they have a very good lawyer for this they say okay if under certain circumstances this sort of discrimination is allowed and these circumstances simply are not presently uh, in existence there they there yeah. or what the what the government claims is not about the coffee shops but they're talking for instance about uh, nuisance from uh, people who come to Maastricht or other places for hard drugs mm -hmm. so that may be true that there is uh, some uh, nuisance there but uh, that is not caused by the visitors of the coffee shops yeah. that's one argument the other argument is that the discrimination may be uh, allowed only when all other measures have been tried and have not been successful mm. and they say that is simply not the case not all other measures have been tried and then the first thing uh, that the first argument is then that they say the city of Venlo for instance mm -hmm. maybe you know the name Venlo from the train it I is, know it <laughs> it is also in the province of Limburg but it's on the eastern border it's on the border with with Germany whereas Maastricht and and everything to the west of Maastricht in the province of Brabant and Zeeland is on the border with Belgium but in the border with Germany there have been problems before and the city of Venlo had uh, big problems in the center with uh, with uh, well outgoing public and many Germans came coming there for cannabis and also for hard drugs but they moved two coffee shops really to the very close to the border with Germany and uh, I've been there to, to, to see how it worked and it's, that is the, the practical solution there there is an, like a drive-through for <laughs> for, well, for soft drinks. well there was also an idea to make the former the buildings that were used for the border control <laughs> for to to make those into coffee shops so that was and then simply have a, a turn a turnaround place there that people could and not even have to enter Holland yeah. to get or something like that but that was rejected the, to to uh, do that they didn't sell their the the Marchousset buildings to a coffee shop owner no uh, but this is if you come you know the name uh, Ruhrgebiet uh, yeah. in Germany the big industrial area yeah. with uh, Essen uh, Dortmund Duisburg really many millions of people living there and if from there you go to the Netherlands the, the nearest is Venlo hmm. so there is an, a highway straight to the to Venlo yeah. and at the moment you cross the border which is no longer visible there yeah. you then you're in Holland there is a 
alcohol you know, to uh, turn around or around about around about, about. Uh, well circle. and if you go right you go to the the rest of the country if you go straight on mm -hmm. then you come into the center of venlo yeah. but when you go left you come onto the parking lot of the coffee shops uh -huh. immediately uh, when you cross the border so this is and this uh, is in, in effect right now already yeah. this uh, yeah. Yeah, closed also because oh. they may All no members. longer Whereas, yeah, but their members are practically only, or their members, they, they don't have members. It mm -hmm. was open for everybody. Mm -hmm. So they had mostly German visitors. And they were not, it was not possible for them to continue working in this way. This has been going on because last time I visited... But what I want to <laughs> say is that that is the practical way if there is a problem with too many visitors coming over the border and, and causing nuisance in the center of town or, or in a, one of the uh, outskirts of town, yes. then, of course, this was the most obvious solution for it. Unless you want to close the coffee shops, then you do what our government has done. This discrimination is allowed according to the government and to this administrative court yeah. but why the lawyers of the coffee shop say that this does simply does not apply to the situation at hand yeah. because uh, there is nuisance but it is not caused by the visitors of the coffee shops mm -hmm. and it's not caused by the coffee shop so you cannot use that nuisance to close or to force the coffee shops to 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 refuse foreigners yeah. because those are different groups of foreigners yeah. and the second reason is that there are practical solutions for the problem that, that have not been, been so right. that's what the the court case now will be about because what they had was what's called then a court geding which is a, a quick sort of court case yeah. for urgent cases but there the the deliberations uh, are not as deep uh, juridically as is really uh, should be in a court case so the real uh, legal uh, details will be uh, will only now be taken care of or how do you say will be investigated yeah so so a lot of this is still uncertain uncertain oh many many i think uh, as far as i can uh, I'm not a lawyer but you become almost a, an, an, an uh, yes, a sort yeah. of a voluntary lawyer. Or what's the name? An, uh, without pay. Uh, yeah, voluntary. Uh, we yeah. used to say armchair. If you stay in your yeah. chair and watch yeah. TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that this is the, the, so clear. The way it was said that the this discrimination is allowed when these conditions have been fulfilled well these conditions have not been fulfilled there so they cannot discriminate in this way against uh, foreigners but in in a lot of these communities this has been going on this these tests the since these, the first of may only first or of may or something like because that, back in it? 2010 Around the time I came to visit you, it was because uh, Bergen op Somme, there were a couple, there were like two yeah, little but places. Yeah, they closed of themselves because they had so many visitors and that was really mostly for the coffee shops. Right. And it were small towns near the border, Bergen op Somme and Rosendaal. Yeah. One by one, in all these, these small cases, what are community leaders saying about the aftermath? Right? Like, yeah, are they yeah, saying yeah. they're happy? 
it's difficult to get a real good impression of it. Uh, there are official reports uh, paid for by uh, official uh, mm. government, city governments uh, or, that say that there is no noticeable increase of, uh, of the nuisance. And there are m many other reports that say there is a clear increase in nuisance. Mm -hmm. and, and then the police says, yes, but that is the beginning now and people will get accustomed to it. And, but they know that either the visitors move more north right. or they buy uh, in the streets somewhere. Right. So I'm expecting those they reports. Have, they have taken, yeah, but the reports, it depends on who gives them. There are reports Police. on both sides. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There are reports with, with contradictory findings. Yeah. And even uh, the, the, at the University of Tilburg, which is in the middle there, has uh, one prominent figure giving out a report supporting the government and another has, has uh, published something uh, 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 fighting, the, yeah. saying that this is simply not uh, incorrect and no. that it's bad science and this mm -hmm. has led to nasty situation there between yeah. uh, if you want to know more about that you should talk to Nicole Malste mm. I don't know if you know the name I'll she, she yeah, lives no. she lives in, in The Hague I think but she works at, at the University of Tilburg mm. and she knows uh, more about this yeah. than I do um, because I'm curious also and, and we'll see in the end but in these types of communities I can imagine now police have more reports of if they're enforcing yeah. it catching people selling on the street and such yeah 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 but the police has a, is in a difficult situation as well because this last government of ours also is uh, working at a big transformation of the whole police system police used to be municipal and then in regionally oriented or organized and they are making a one national police force of it. And there is a lot of discussion about that too, yeah. because it has enormous consequences. It means that nobody is really certain of his or her place in the police hierarchy mm -hmm. and, and uh, jobs will change and who is in command will change. So many police officers now, well, I mean, um, they, they're not really free to say what they want they, they, mm. and they never were yeah. but sometimes they did but, but in this period it's even more difficult for them to be open about their opinions because that really might could easily cost them an, an, a nice job there on the uh, mm. they, they, they expect to get after this transformation yeah. with more central control yes. it gets, yeah, brings more the, risk that someone yeah. in a central position yeah. hears you and disagrees with you. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And that's ha happening at the same time. Hmm. So you should not really expect the police to be too open about this. Hmm. Um, they're, they're not in a position to do that. But there is many uh, indications that in, 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 in Maastricht and in other cities, in Eindhoven, that there is an increase in the trade uh, in the black market, so in the streets or yeah. outside the city, and uh, and that is then downplayed by the officials, or they say, well, that is the 
the beginning and uh, but the but the police are expected to get these guys right yeah but they, they won't get they they, they will mm -hmm. get, a get a few of them it, yes it goes of course to a more familiar system for many people yeah. in north america yeah and, uh, yeah and also and that is something that is impossible to really uh, investigate in the weeks before this started people can have made a deal with their regular uh, with regular contacts they had and that they exchanged telephone numbers and that they, so that their easy contact with uh, with people they already bought from in Holland and that can be for hard drugs as well as for mm. uh, for, for soft drugs yeah. that uh, the contacts have been used in the last weeks that everything was allowed uh, to prepare for how the contacts must be made now that it's more risky right and nobody knows really about that what is going what has been going on about uh, there yeah but There's... you must s simply expect that that's the way it works if you know you you bought regularly good weed here or there uh, and you know that this is no longer be possible a month from now yeah. then you ask for a phone number or you, uh, yeah you, yeah it's like, like if a shop closes and i say well i might still sell online or yes. or out of my house or, yes. or... Yes. yeah yeah the the strange one of the strange things about what's going on there's a lot of strange things going on but is the way people speak about it now there's the way people speak about things in the media i find it hard to get a solid opinion out of a lot of people in my neighborhood um and i live in a community that has a few coffee shops and knows them well i think um but people behave as if this is just a natural thing that's going to happen for some reason it's been summarized as yeah, Maastricht will, will be the first big one, and then other cities will follow, and before you know it, it's going to be a national policy. It's just a matter of time. It, the, the internet, it's the internet, but it's well, littered with this kind of summary. Yeah, I can understand it, because many people believe that what was happening here in Holland is totally different from the rest of the world, and it will never be accepted anywhere else. And yeah, that is also an issue where the media have been uh, uh, not been well informing us because a lot has been changing in other countries and especially with cannabis in many countries there is there are no coffee shops like here or, uh, the, in the sense of uh, there are only traditional coffee shops that sell coffee and, yes. and other drinks. Yes. But the, this never uh, exists nowhere else. But in Spain, for instance, I was yeah. uh, a few weeks ago in Barcelona, and you have there the cannabis social clubs. Yeah. So they have clubs, yeah. not everywhere, but it's starting up all over the country. Yeah. And these clubs has been tested already because there have been court cases against them. And they won because what they do is allowed by Spanish law. And Spanish law allows the personal possession and use but also the with it growing yeah. and i always forget how many plants because it's different in, <laughs> the same is in belgium and in and other in slovenia they're starting this and only when the law allows this really legally that you grow plants then you can have a club of uh, people a cooperative club where your plants are being grown because not everybody wants to take care of the plants yeah, yeah, or is yeah. capable of doing that at right. home or so that is the system that started in uh, in, in spain yeah and so in spain 
I am a foreigner, but I could easily become a member of a club in Spain yeah. and then at the same day take home some of the of the weed. The interesting thing is that they have a legal construction that I, I must not say that I bought my weed there because it is what comes from my plant and was grown there. Only I can start being a member today and then already the same day I can get some weed yeah. because then they say yeah that is collectively and you get it from the, the head that's come from the, from the collective and my plant what what it delivers or what it yields also goes to the collective right. so it's simply the, it's the amount and that's the club and that's it, the is, matter uh, it is non-profit yeah, yeah. Uh, the wow. little profit they make goes into the club itself yeah. but it's a very agreeable uh, thing you could uh, we, we, we've spent one evening in uh, in this uh, cannabis social club mm -hmm. Ariam this the backwards uh, for Maria mm -hmm. I don't know Ariam mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, by the way is that Catalonia Specifically, Airam, Airam, <laughs> that is in Barcelona. Yeah. Barcelona. Yeah, but it is in other. Uh, it is not all over Spain yet, but but, it's in, but it started in the Basque country uh, and in uh, in in Barcelona yeah. area. Yeah. yeah. So there, foreigners can be can become a member and yeah. smoke as much marijuana as they want, but the age limit is mostly 21, whereas here it is was 18 for the coffee shops and before that it was 16 and that's also an interesting discussion what is the right age limit um, but at the same time in Holland foreigners were always welcome at the coffee shops and they, they want to forbid that now right and, because that'll, and, that'll fix this problem of I forget what the problem what's the, pro the noise well for some communities it's the, it's the noise right I mean I almost yeah, forget there what are it different is. arguments are being used, but they're all disingenuous. Uh, yeah. It's simply they're looking for arguments. The argument was the in the southern cities, it was the nuisance right. of, of uh, people coming to Holland to buy drugs. Mm. Well, and that is a false argument because there are and there are in existence better solutions for this mm. problem. Mm, mm. Right. As, as and if if there is a political will in Maastricht, they could easily make or not maybe not easily because you have to find a good location for it. But right. that is it's unthinkable that there will not be a, a a location for for two or three coffee shops near the border mm -hmm. if they yeah, want right. the, to have them. Right. But that leaves the international situation as it is, and Holland, it seems at least this government wants to adopt the same policies as in the other countries and they keep secret then for our own population that these policies have been changing a lot in the last uh, well decades certainly portugal has decriminalized all uh, drugs for personal use and personal possession and uh, it has gone well since then it's not that there is no drug problem but it is has become somewhat less mm -hmm. and the statistics for the health situation have also have become somewhat better but they spend a lot less on uh, the maintenance yeah. of of this uh, total prohibition that was in existence and for public health it is better the way it is now there with the uh, decriminalization yeah in 
a few years or in a few decades, they may get the same problem that was was the second problem, that is the criminality in the black market, mm -hmm. because the black market on the supply side is still in existence. Right. For that's the, what you taught me in the last interview we did about this incomplete system, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. About how coffee shops, although they can exist, the supplying of a coffee shop is is. Well, illegal. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. and then it's the point, as long as the government does nothing against that, so when it is de facto mm -hmm. also tolerated, even when it's still completely illegal, yeah, then you will not notice it, that there is much going on, but more and more money will be... Uh, uh, will be yeah. collected there on this by the people in the black market. Right. And that is a lot of money that's going to be, be and there is no taxes are being paid on it. And that is a false, uh, how do you say that, Com competition when they, when they open up other businesses and they're doing things with this that is not possible, that are not possible for people that operate legally. Yeah. So that is a, is a growing problem and that will not go away as long as the supply side is not regulated. You've touched on, and it always eventually comes back to money to some extent. Yeah. Uh, you also touched a little bit on research, uh, and, and, and I know you always have lots of, I mean, there is plenty of research about everything from, uh, you know, age and what age is, is uh, not good or good or should be the age for uh, being able to purchase and consume marijuana. Um, what is, occurs to me watching what's going on is that research and even business interests. Normally, these two are quite powerful in, in, depend, in determining policy. Either one, you know, a lot of times we say it's money. I come from the US, money seems to have so much power. But when it comes to this policy regarding coffee shops and a lot of the other policies related to, to uh, yeah, the business of drugs in this, in this country, it seems like policymakers are ignoring both, actually. I mean, this is not, you know, I'm sure people listening are thinking they'll lose so much money if there are no coffee shops. And you just pointed out already the, the money that's exchanged on the black market where no tax is collected. Yeah. And, and ironically, I don't understand. I don't know if you ever have seen why, if it ever is revealed to you, in a time where the government has no money, right? No governments have money right now. But this one is another one, right? Trying to save everywhere we look. Um, here they are doing the opposite, or, or maybe not the opposite, but they're cutting off a source of tax income. I mean, wouldn't this have been enough to stop everything? How, how is it possible that this goes on anyway? Like, well, it's not research, I don't it's not know business. all the money that's going on there. If it really could be a big change in, in, in the financial situation of a country like then Spain now has big financial problems and right. Greece even bigger and all the European countries have finance but I don't know which percentage of the the whole national product would be there because all these statistics are, are very unsure mm. but at least it it is a not unimportant part uh, of, of, of all the of the, all the financial uh, things that are going on and yeah. of course it would help and it is also often said that in the United States, when they stopped the uh, the liquor prohibition, uh, that was uh, not. <laughs> yeah, but that happened a few years after the big recession. 
the recession was in 1929 and it took a while before that really worked in everywhere and in 1933 they stopped the liquor prohibition and many people say you know it's something that you never can prove what were the main influences one reason was the violence and, uh, and, mm. the, and uh, the, the power the criminals gained uh, like Al Capone of course is the symbol for this but well that doesn't mean they couldn't have gone on with this uh, now they're, they've been going on with the violence in, in the big cities in the United States uh, that was uh, largely caused by uh, by the illegal drug trade uh, for for much longer yeah. than in the prohibition prohibition time is then the the liquor prohibition right so there are people that say yeah it was a combination of the societal uh, problems caused by the prohibition plus the financial that they couldn't simply could no longer afford right. to miss all that money and it may be that in the United States this is uh, plays a somewhat bigger role than here because the violence in the big cities has always been bigger yeah. and, uh, for instance the, the series uh, this television series The Wire has shown the, the finest television wire. series ever ever um, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then also the second th threat is not just from the, the bigger the cities in the US itself but comes from the south and from Mexico and from mm. the Caribbean that the violence in the drug trade in the illegal drug trade is coming north and uh, is crossing the border and there are many cities already in the, in the US where a large part of the black market is being uh, dominated by by Latin Americans mm. and uh, but this country isn't claiming to be plagued by violence here yeah well in there was that is that was yeah that is also one of the arguments that has been used uh, here especially in the province of Brabant or North Brabant which which is the I think the biggest province we have and it's on it's there is Zeeland here with all the islands mm -hmm. then you have Brabant and then Limburg yeah and Belgium is south of that yeah. those are the three the three most southern and Brabant is a big agricultural uh, province but it also has Eindhoven which right. is think already the fourth city uh, home of Philips right yeah yeah but now Philips moved their oh. headquarters to Amsterdam oh okay uh. but home of PSV who was one of the big soccer soccer right. club yeah. but Brabant there was an increasing uh, a degree of violence in the growth sector the weed growth sector is what the police says Mm -hmm. we don't trust all these stories because it was really fabricated and of course some things do happen because if you have a problem with your uh, with a, in a, a coffee shop owner with a few people that they regularly buy weed from and the, the coffee shop owners never grew the weed themselves the, the marijuana them said that would make them even more vulnerable for so they bought this from what they did should be allowed in the law or in mm -hmm. the in practice not in the law in the in the toleration system yeah. and they did not uh, take the risk of also growing the weed but the world of the growers has been 
more um, dominated by criminal elements. Mm -hmm. And how, came, how was that? Because this started after 1976, and that is now uh, more than 35 years ago that this system has been existence, yeah. existed. Now, the coffee shops did not immediately start in 76 because nobody had an idea of uh, how this went. It went first, it was, for instance, here, Paradiso and the, the Milky Way. Mm -hmm. They had um, home uh, house dealers, what they called it, a house dealer. Okay. So they knew people who grew weed, or marijuana, or hash, and who made hashis, or maybe imported it in some way. But if you, when I was young, I went then to, to uh, Paradiso, yeah. and there was the entrance were a few tables where people sold uh, marijuana, or uh, and only there you could get it then. And then somebody started to say, well, if that is allowed, I can also start a sort of a cafe and do this. Yeah. And in the beginning, it was done in normal cafes where also alcohol was being served. That was only in Amsterdam. Yeah. In, in the other, other cities, it was almost immediately that everywhere alcohol was banned. But at the time, that was really up to the municipality to, to, uh, to make the rules. So the, the law or the national policy was fairly uh, general and uh, the, the precise uh, way in which it should be uh, arranged yeah. was left to the municipalities. Right. So I can imagine the more conservative municipalities had some more restrictions. Yeah. Or they had no coffee shops at all. Mm. The cities could also decide to have no coffee shops. But all the bigger cities fairly quickly started with mm. coffee shops. And, and then some smaller ones also. But still, the majority of municipalities in Holland has no coffee shop. The majority. Mm. Because the majority are very many small municipalities. And they prefer that it happens somewhere in a bigger town nearby. Mm -hmm. And uh, between brackets, I must say that the, there is a good research on it, whether young people in places with or without coffee shops, whether there's a difference in cannabis use, and there is no, there is no difference. Ah. So, uh, Just because you have a coffee shop in your neighborhood or in your city doesn't mean you're any no, less or more. on their bike or on their uh, moto, yes, they go to a town that is 15 kilometers, you can always get it fairly near. Right. Right. So uh, that is also one of the arguments we used against this this idea of, of having a distance of 250 meters with, between a coffee shop and a school, and then it was increased to 350 meters. So yeah. that is simply it, measures to close down as many coffee shops as but, possible. And, and there it is. All these measures, and people listening might think, what are they doing? Yeah. Why, why are they hurting themselves, some yeah. people think. Well, but in the end... They say, for instance, this money argument you can't use when the Christian... Uh, parties are in the debate because they say, well, ho, 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 we're not, uh, this is a, a real, uh, this oh. is also an ethical oh. problem and it's for your health and for the education of our children right. and then you shouldn't no start right. about uh, this 
financial right. so, yeah. yeah and the non-religious i mean we have the the baby day is still a relatively powerful party in this country the prime minister well it was the, yeah. from that party yeah, they don't say religion well but they, you we were speaking about financial interest yeah. one of the things that is most difficult to do research on is which financial interests are behind the continuation of the prohibition because there are really many people that uh, earn money because of the prohibition. I mean, more people get arrested. I can tell you that, you know, from yeah, US. the US. People working in the penitentiary system have more work because of this. And uh, there is more alcohol being sold because of the prohibition of cannabis. Uh -huh. That is, would certainly make a difference for, especially alcohol, will be used less when uh, cannabis is uh, legally available. Hmm. And for banks, the whole money laundering system is a real good thing for banks. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. There is really there was at one time when um, in the beginning of the last uh, economic crisis. There has been very small news items in most papers that the United Nations, that was the chief of the United States, the same man, Costa, with whom I've been uh, having a discussion. Uh, you, you may I know remember. about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He had a, uh, I don't know whether it was a press release or in an interview with the press, but he said that there were now instances, uh, banks that were at the brink of default were being saved by black money mm -hmm. from uh, the drug trade. Mm -hmm. And that is something that probably has been going on always. Yeah. If you, you must think of the, 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 there is also a sort of a war against money laundering going on. Mm -hmm. But that simply means that uh, a government can hinder banks that they don't like and what they do can be favorable for banks that support them or that they are associated with. Yeah. And it is a very good way for banks to get in money uh, reasonably cheap, cheaper than, than normal. Yeah. And uh, there are people with uh, large amounts of money that they were are very happy if they can uh, can whitewash it and they're willing to pay large percentage you have uh, 20 million million euro and and if they say well you can have it we make it legal it costs you uh, 25 percent well okay well illustrated this an example of what you're talking about in the wire in fact when a a, a drug kingpin uh yeah. wants to whitewash his money and goes to yeah. the Caribbean, in fact, and he had never left the country and he yeah. puts his money there and it comes out clean. Yeah. yeah. And there are in the Caribbean, but even more in the Pacific Ocean, there are dozens of islands and they belong to one or other country probably, or they are independent, uh, so-called independent, or yeah. and there are uh, maybe 200 inhabitants, but there are 5,000 companies have their seat there. Mm. And the amount of money that is being 
transferred in there is in the billions. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody can know what is going on there. Mm. Now, I'm really convinced that that is an important factor in it. Only yeah. it is. Yeah. I don't know how you could trace this. Right. You know who knows more about this is uh, Misha Glenny. Mm. The, 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 it's, uh, I don't remember from which of the countries, from former Yugoslavia. Mm -hmm. He is a, uh, he did much work on the Yugoslav, the, the civil war that started there. Or yeah, it wasn't after it broke up the country. It, mm -hmm. You cannot say it was a civil war. It was a war between between these new. Right, uh, right. States. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the, the whole drug issue played a big role there as well. And um, hmm. I can give another example. Um, so maybe this is not especially about Holland, but it is about the international situation. How much international, uh, how much financial interests are involved here? Um, you know, in Thailand, there was the former prime minister. Uh, Taksin Shinavatra, yeah, yeah. yeah, and he announced at some point uh, a drug war, uh, even even more aggressive than uh, than everywhere else. And uh, well, the people said quickly that uh, you shouldn't expect too much of this. It's simply a crackdown for a few weeks, and then they announce uh, we we catched so many uh big, on the table big, big, put it on the yeah, table yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but what came out was that it was he 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 was probably linked himself to some groups in the in the drug trade and they had too much trouble with other groups so he went against these other groups yeah. and it profited for the groups that were associated with the prime minister and it's simply a way to to uh, how do you say it? Get, to get, rid get rid of your competitors or yeah. and kill a number of people that you don't like. And you could simply by saying that guy we know he's a drug dealer. He could be shot in the streets. Mm. There are, these things have been going on in in uh, uh, Thailand for a while, mm. and uh, in China, China. It's it's different again. Yeah. There it has to do with the whole transformation to a primitive capitalist uh, system. But money coming from unknown sources is, is, is very easy there to, yeah. to do something with it. And so in the, in the Dutch context, since that's where we started and maybe that's where we'll end, um, you've been watching this, this, these debates unfold. You've been involved with you know, trying to, to pull them perhaps in a, into a more thinking and, and careful uh, manner than they're currently going. Um, what do you think happens in the coming years? I mean, I know I'm yeah. putting a lot of, you know, yeah. no, you can't I'm predict the future. You, you can say something about that. Because people so often summarize it saying, it's only a matter of time. Give it two years, Amsterdam will have the same policy and it's all over. Well, first of all, in Holland, I still, I don't believe that this system with the clubs will be introduced here in Amsterdam or north of the north yeah. of the river. For all the reasons you've I given. I don't yeah. see it happening. The, the mayor of Amsterdam and also other big cities have already made clear that they don't want to introduce this system here. First, they say there is no need for it. Yeah. There is yeah. no real uh, uh, nuisance here. There yeah. is a little nuisance, but there is much more nuisance from other sources that yeah. we... 
uh, have Never. to live with. Yeah. And uh, so I must still see whether this will come north of the rivers. Yeah. And uh, and then you never know what. It, but imagine there is a new government now. We right. don't know it, there will be elections. If uh, some sort of government like the past one will come back, right. uh, it may be center right. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I am now. Uh, I have the idea that Holland, of course, had in a, yes, in a sort of avant-garde uh, role or how you call it, uh, yeah. a front runner. But that that is no longer needed because the international, at least people who follow this, and in every country there are people studying the international situation and they know that what happens now in Holland does not mean that the coffee shop system was a bad system mm. it is the other way around the coffee shop system is a very good system and only the growth was not well regulated right. but the coffee shops are there's a Dutch author who said it's the, the most important social invention of the last century. So maybe that is exaggerated. Yeah. I don't know, but it mm. was a very good... I see a lot of socializing happening. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. And uh, it is also proof, the Dutch experience with the coffee shop is proof that the prohibition is not necessary. I can explain that. It's very simple. They always act as if it's very difficult and complicated. But the number of users, and especially the number of problematic users of cannabis, is still around the average in Europe. It was like that in the beginning, in 1970 or 1980. Mm -hmm. And when the coffee shops came up, there was some increase in the use of cannabis in Holland. But that same thing happened in all the other countries and the increase in Holland was slower and was was not so clear as in the other countries. Mm -hmm. So actually in Holland everybody still can buy uh, cannabis, every grown-up, mm -hmm. but use levels are lower than in many people, many countries like France, mm -hmm. like, like England, like the United States where there is harder uh, what is it? Repression. Yeah. It's true that other countries have lower uh, use levels. Uh, Sweden, of course, has lower use levels, but Sweden has different problems in the drug uh, field. They have many more young people uh, using these inhalants and uh, okay. and other things that are really much more toxic and yeah. dangerous. Then all these stories about cannabis being so so dangerous are well. Nothing. They're very much uh, exaggerated. I don't say that it is not at all, but uh, mm. we say that it is less uh, risky for your health than alcohol and tobacco, but uh, some people can get health problems with it. And that's exactly the reason why it should be regulated and not forbidden. Yeah. But that's true for the harder drugs as well. Mm. The hard drugs have health, carry health risks, and that's why you should not prohibit them, but why the state should regulate them. Mm. That's the job, that's the work of a government to do, to regulate those things. Yeah, address problems. So they are negligent and they are, and that's the formulation that this Global Commission on Drug Policy used, that they, they, they abdicate their responsibility. Yeah. 
they have this responsibility, they should regulate this, the countries, and instead they haven't made a deal, an international deal, to do what seems easy to them, to prohibit it. Mm -hmm. And then, yes, if, if only uh, people were obedient and didn't use it, there would be no problem. Mm -hmm. But that's not the way it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay. All right, Frank. Well, Frank Pollock, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. It's, uh, it's good to hear a, a calm voice in, in what is yeah. often an irrational discussion. So may I say one more uh, thing about this? Yeah. Yes, yeah, because I mentioned this global commission and I think that is one of the most hopeful things. Yeah. It used only uh, farmer, farmer politicians and farmer civil servants that came out and said, uh, well, uh, I've been my whole life, I've been in the fight against drugs, but now I can say that I think it's a failure and we should do this differently and so but that's changing now. And the Global Commission still was mainly consisting of farmer, mm. but it started in Latin America with three ex-presidents and became bigger and bigger. And you know, maybe you know now that uh, Kofi Annan signed on to this. Mm -hmm. The farmer uh, could see the top drug fighter because these are the UN conventions and he was Secretary General of the UN. And uh, the farmer top civil servant of the European Union against drugs is also has signed on to that uh, commission. Mm -hmm. And now it is spreading, that was early this year, that for the first time a sitting president of a country said we should have this debate. That was if, uh, the, the president of Colombia. He said he himself was not sure, but he said it is a debate that we should have now because uh, intelligent people are in favor of legalizing it. Yeah. And a month later, or maybe less, but uh, quickly after that, the prime minister, the president of Guatemala, and that was the sitting president, mm -hmm. said we should uh, legalize the drugs and regulate the drugs. Uh, so I think that what Netherlands what the Netherlands is done has been doing has been important to to open up people's minds and simply to see that uh, and that's the way I say it then mostly and what I've made public by uh, made visible by asking this question to Mr. Costa to explain uh, that was my question to him how he understands this that in Holland with the coffee shops selling to every adult who wants and that the statistics show that we're still in the average of the European Union so that there, what is the reason to continue this prohibition if it's clearly not necessary and he never could give an answer to this. Yeah. Frank Pollock, thanks so much and, uh, and I'll be back around. It's a pleasure to be in your home again and um, well, well, we'll catch up soon for sure. Yeah, yeah. okay. On a smile catching mm, Welcome in a heartbeat to the family Light high lanterns Wish bound in the night So just some final notes on today's program. I'll try and include a few links in the course of an hour. You really talk about a lot of websites, topics, moments, so it's hard for me to really properly 
link it all, but of course you can go and search for yourself. Um, what else should I mention? Of course, citizenreporter.org is where you go. And in the next podcast, you're going to hear from someone working in the coffee shop world. So someone who sells marijuana uh, officially. And I hope down the road to have some unexpected and perhaps unorthodox guests. Uh, but I suppose I won't mention it until I know for sure. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for all the feedback. Thanks for the flatter donations. I really appreciate the people who are getting into it and realizing, you know, hey, yes, a lot of things are free and here for the taking, but it's nice to keep the very source going. And that's me in this case. So thanks a lot to everybody who's been donating. I appreciate it. And I'll catch you next week. Goodbye. See ya. 